1: Welcome to my good bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person is. Great. Jason, thanks for being on My Good, Bad Brain again. Oh, my again.
2: God. Oh, my God.
1: You're no, welcome. No one will ever know. Nobody knows. Well, now this our secret. Since it's literally the first thing I'm saying, I guess they will know. Jason was the right. first person that I ever interviewed for My Good, Bad Brain. He's my roommate also mm-hmm. and my friend for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Like 10 years? Like 10 years, At dude.
2: least. Well. No, actually, yeah. It'll be 11 this coming. Yeah. Because... It's 11 years I've been here in Los Angeles in January. And we
1: met the first year you were here. Yep. So, Jason, when I decided I wanted to do My Good Bad Brain and I I decided I was going to talk to people for it, I was like, I've never done that before. And how am I going to keep this going? And I should do a practice and... Even back then, you know, when I got like influencer friends to the show and stuff, I knew even then though that I wanted to talk to normal people, quote unquote, uh-huh. civilians, you know? Yeah. People who aren't in the public eye already. Right. In like big ways. Right. And I wanted, and I still have held to this thing that I talk to people who are, um, who are like diagnosed with mental illnesses or open mm-hmm. about a mental illness of some kind. Mm-hmm. But also there's, I think everybody in life faces challenges and I'm also just curious to know how people that i observe get through life and that's turned mm-hmm. into the thing of the show where i talk to friends periodically who again are not like in the public eye but i think i'm i'm already feeling like this show is going to lean more and more that direction just because i don't know i think it's so i remember a long time ago i had an idea for a show i wanted to do where you would just talk to like people in the most mundane jobs just not like mm-hmm. the celebrity version not like the postman who like has a pr person also <laughs> yeah. because they like you know what i mean yes like saved a, d- the person from getting hit by a bus one time yeah. and they were on the news and they're yeah. like wow you're so funny on the news let's get you and that's like becomes the person you talk to when you talk to a normal post office person now yeah yeah, yeah. i was like literally just people who aren't used to performing might be hard to talk to whatever like yeah like
2: you know not used to like i think that's a great idea for a show
1: maybe one day but i um so in that sort of thing in my inexperience with talking for long periods of time in this podcast format which is so like intimate and so you know there's you can't have like time to fill i mean when i started doing the solo episodes i would literally just talk to myself while doing other things to practice talking Mm -hmm. anyway so you were the first person i interviewed we did it here in the apartment where we are again
2: very comfortable
1: and at the time i was gonna i was because you make music and you're in the music world also Mm -hmm. And i had this like idea of talking about this idea of like music and why it i don't know Mm -hmm. helps our mental health or something like that and and that may come up i don't know but when I never aired it, because when I listened back, it just felt so hard to me, like my first episode. Like I was trying to make bits happen too yeah. hard or something like that. A little rigid. And also because I just didn't know what this was supposed to be. Sure. And I think... Oh, Bodie's howling. Mm-hmm. I think it was hard for me to... Um, I think I've gotten better maybe at letting this letting the space exist in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Whether it's me talking about myself or with a person. And I have monologue for a little while. I'll chill in a sec, but like, I think the nature of what this thing wants to be is a true reflection, slow pace, long thing, hang out in, you know, introspective, mm-hmm. whatever moment of honesty of whatever it is, honesty of our experiences. Mm-hmm. When I talk to other people, the honesty of my curiosity, um, and not you know, not like make that feel the pressure to make that too polished. And that right. first th- attempt, I felt pressure to make it polished. Right. I felt pressure to make it funny. Most of the podcasts I listen to, I want to be are like very f- like funny. Mm-hmm. And so you know what I mean. I wanted yep. it to be like, well, I want this to be entertaining. Yep. And I think I'll never be able to fight the urge to like want to make things entertaining because mm-hmm. you know I'm an entertainer. But I really think the important. I don't know. For me, what's become important about this podcast and my interpretation of it in the world is it's strange honesty mm-hmm. and it's quiet. Yeah. Well, that's what I've
2: enjoyed from the ones that I have listened to.
1: Which ones have you, have you listened to? It?
2: Yeah. Um, I, uh, definitely Miles has struck me. Right. Because he also are. Our... Being his close friend, even. Um,
1: that struck me doing it. Like I, there was a lot of stuff. I learned things about Miles in that because Miles is our other friend who's about the same amount of time. I met him, I guess the same year I met you because I met him like my first year. Yeah. In LA, and I learned things about Miles on that podcast that I didn't know. Right, right. Some of the, I like knew bits and pieces, but the bigger parts. So it has been yeah. a strange, it's kind of interesting. Like, I would keep doing this podcast if no one listened. Yeah. In a weird way.
2: That is good. Yeah. Because it,
1: it's like, you know? It is, oh, we, yeah. Some therapy, just talking things out. And it's kind of a weird, it feels like a strange, like, Greek ritual or something from ancient times to like <laughs> have this formal environment to talk to people that you know, or know closely or know kind, like some of them are just total acquaintances. And then I'm like, we come to my podcast. And that really means like, I'm going to ask you everything. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you like intimate things. I'm going to yeah. ask you. And, uh, and, yeah. and, and with the people that I already know well and intimately it's become this, I don't know. It's like, a, it's still like creates this imbued environment. Like I'm gonna, do you want to come have a hang out? We're gonna do it on a stage yeah. though. It's like a
2: it's like a compacted five to ten year friendship or a relationship.
1: Yeah, but getting then to know somebody. But yes, but then also that creates this added level of like the strangeness of people who we're close to. Because by talking to you in this context and in this format that is just uh you know, inherently it's, it's framed, it's imbued because mm-hmm. it's like, there's this stage, there's stage lights, there's this thing. Uh, I'm immediately knowing you. We're having a knowing that is not our usual one. Right. And it's not even our true yeah, yeah. one. Like you can't really, there's this uh, acting exercise in, in Meisner work, I guess, uh, which is like you get on a stage and do nothing. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to literally just like be on the stage in front of a room of people and do <laughs> nothing. And it's so hard at first because you you be, you get you do so much like you're so acting you're actively
2: you know? doing nothing. Yeah, trying and you just become so nothing. conscious
1: of like my hands in my pocket now. Yeah. And uh, now I'm scratching my yeah. nose and did I do this my on hand?
2: my own accord or did I think about doing right. something because
1: I didn't want to do nothing? And especially if you're an actor you're like am I I'm going to really be living right now in a natural <laughs> way, you know? The beautiful way people are just It's just there. They like they don't even think about it and they touch their ear. Yeah. You know?
2: Do you try to also be the best at doing that? Yeah, you try to be
1: I mean, I'm on record, I believe. In Annihilation, that movie? Yeah. That's the one I always talk about. There's a moment in that movie with um Oscar Isaacs when he's talking to Nellie Portman, like Mm -hmm. before the movie really starts going crazy. Mm -hmm. And I and it's it's a memory of her with him when they're in love. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember that my reaction to it was like so human, like Mm -hmm. so human and deep and subtle and real that I was like, he's more human than I am. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was like, I recognized it so intimately and Mm -hmm. also knew like, perhaps I would never be that complex, not an acting performance, Mm -hmm. like in life, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. (laughs) Uh,
2: He portrayed a character so complex that you think your real life, person is can't less be complex that
1: than that day. guy is less real and not even complex but like real and lived in and subtle and dense like that's kind of the way i interpret really great artists and stuff as being different for me or like people who seem like quote-unquote geniuses mm-hmm. it feels like their experience of existence is more has a greater density than mine right like every square inch of uh, of experience right. is yes. like more rich
2: yeah. You know? It's just it's something that
1: it's very hard to yes. compete with or live up to. Or to it put it in a... audio terms, it's like I'm getting MP3s and they're getting waves yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever, For you know? Sure. Like Much just higher resolution. Yes. That like a lot of people are like I can't even hear the difference. Yeah. You know? What's it di- yeah. I you know, I kind of have that like on most speakers, but then the people who can hear it are like, "Oh. Yeah. This is so different." Yeah. And I don't know, that's that like I don't know. I, that's We talked about that thing that like one day they'll be able to have a Turing test. Like mm-hmm. because AIs will get advanced enough. So they'll need to be able to test. Are they self-aware? Are they empathetic? Whatever. Mm-hmm. But what will happen is some people, like some human beings, won't be able to pass this test. Like real, like quote-unquote biological right. born human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Like, people will be like, your experience of life is not as rich or complex or subtle or self-aware <laughs> as, this, as this robot we've yeah. made. Yeah. So, ooh, that's awkward. Yep. Yeah. And then... For sure, if you have a measurement, you'll be able to have tiers of measurement and it will be like people will grade out to levels of reality, like how how real, how human they are. And I think and I feel like societal structure itself along like to cater to like, oh, well, and we kind of do it unconsciously already. Like we decide that celebrities are more important than other people. Yeah, exactly. And we go like, well, they're special. They're they're experiencing and uh, living in this way that's more beautiful and more subtle, more interesting. Right. Than the rest of us, right? And it starts yeah. to get very strange and like,
2: yeah. I think I think everybody does that in a certain fashion, seeing other people as two dimensional characters, right? Yes. You know, fulfilling a a job or you know the postman well, who. Yeah, but I think like-
1: I think that is, I think commonly, yes, people tend to see most other people as less complex, less rich, less mm-hmm. human than they are, even mm-hmm. if they're very empathetic. Yeah. What I think is interesting is to think that we all also have people that we perceive as being more Way human more, than yeah, us. Yeah, 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 for sure. And that's very strange to imagine, to think about. Like, it's like, it's very simple to look at the solipsistic question and be like, oh yeah, of course, we all kind of dehumanize other people around us all the time mm-hmm. into like two-dimensional automatons of just other NPCs, basically, mm-hmm. because... Ours is the only point of view that we can yep. have. So that like stands to reason kind of. What's ve- what's weird to think is like it's like the instinct to worship or the instinct to believe in magic that makes you see artists or or just somebody you are in love with and be like they Further are. Further advanced, more talented. More, yeah. Yeah. There's something richer and deeper. Yeah.
2: I do uh, think about that a lot because, I f- yeah, there's so many people who I think are running circles around any any of my creativity or talent or whatever somebody like miles mm-hmm. who i probably should not keep bringing up in the podcast well, no, i think we'll together keep together. i think
1: we'll probably bring up our network a lot just but, because we have so much in common there
2: yeah the, the brains just have formed certain pathways and have such a uh high energy level yeah that They always want to be fed this information. They're Mm -hmm. really good at processing it and turning it into storage of Mm -hmm. information, and uh, you know, and well, there's also
1: there's I always say this thing like humans are all only a sum of their experiences, but but some people are able to take the same information Mm -hmm. and extrapolate it in profoundly more yeah complex and interesting ways yeah yeah and imaginative ways
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and I think there's something in that.
2: Yeah, like the, um, you know, very simple terms of like just memorizing something like what you just learned on the piano yeah, and being like, I know how to apply this to what. Right. Not only do I know how to apply this, but I have a certain goal of how this piece is going to fit into that goal. Yeah. And very effectively putting those pieces together
1: that I think those people have those minds. I watched this uh, TED Talk this weekend when I was having a weird one. And I was just going down a YouTube TED, TED talk hall um, with Allie. and I watched this one about what consciousness is mm-hmm. and, uh, and and well, this guy's TED talk is basically like, we're all just hallucinating reality all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Your brain, which is where all of our sense of everything is stored and kept, he's like, your brain is constantly in the dark You're, and inside of this shell in your head. Mm-hmm. Your brain can't see anything. And it can't touch and feel anything as right, the nerves. Right. Your brain, all it can do is interpret signals it gets from yeah. other yeah. mechanical organisms, yeah. organ, organs, rather. And that means that everything I see is my brain's best guess at what it yeah. is. Yep. And um, and that's why we can get tricked by those like visual um illusion things, like the one with like the, yeah, the checkerboard. Ma- magic and, eye shit. Yeah. And that is so strange to think. And he was like, so we're literally hallucinating. We're like making up what we see in, all in our brains all the time. And if we all agree on the hallucination, we call it reality. Mm-hmm. But it's weird to think that somewhere along those conduits and uh, like what what these – some people's brains – and I guess this gets into the whole nature of this good, bad brain thing, but some people's brains are – in." getting the same information or similar or maybe not, they have different literal organisms to get like more or less or different signal picked up sensitivities, whatever. And it's somewhere along the chain. They're able to do such completely different things with it. Mm -hmm. This may sound like, so like no brainer or something, but I feel like in the context of this mental health podcast, every, every time I like learn more about, um, I don't know new ideas to think about consciousness and my sensation of myself and my world I don't know in the podcast I did with Nick recently, we were talking mm-hmm. about mindfulness a lot that a lot of a lot of um mental health practices and healing for trauma starts with mindfulness this ability to look at yourself as in a non judgmental way as something that isn't right. uh that is free of your preconceived notions, yeah. To go everything I think I know about myself and who I am and even that I am. Yeah. Um, what if, oh, I could imagine it's actually not any of that. It's something totally different or accidental or mechanical or And I think that makes you I had a therapist, I was thinking about this phrase they say, um, like let things be light. Like that, you know, life especially when you feel depressed and stuff, like life feels so fucking heavy. Like everything feels so heavy and horrible. And mm-hmm. you look out on Twitter and you look at the world and it's so heavy and horrible, and you know. And you realize sometimes that, like, your feeling about that, uh, you can barely get out of bed sometimes. Like, the, the, they're just facing the day is so heavy and horrible that there's this idea of, like, my therapist being like, well, like, imagine almost, like, what if things were light? What if they were just no big deal? Just let things be light. And in that kind of effort to make heavy things light, I don't know, just being able to say, like, maybe maybe a lot of my experience of myself and my world is just an idea. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. an attitude or a mm-hmm. Ali's been doing this thing where she, where she says hypothesis, like, what's your hypothesis about yourself? Right. And then because then you're just looking like you can't help but like look for evidence to support that hypothesis.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, just like uh, talking uh, just the, when I mentioned before about having a goal and finding the pieces to whatever your practice is to meet that goal. That's going to be the same thing with your personality. Yeah. Whatever formulation of your identity you have in your, in your brain, is I'm probably going to keep reinforcing that.
1: I mean, I, yeah, I'm really fascinated by like that connection, like that, what happens between ideation and, uh, manifestation of the thing by your own hand in the world. Mm-hmm. Because I've said this before, but I still think about it all the time that like, I always thought if I could draw really well, Mm -hmm. I would be able to do like, I would be able to fix relationships better, be describe Mm -hmm. my experience better because it's so impressive to me that someone can picture something in their head clear Mm -hmm. as day and then just like draw it out. Yeah. That connection between their imagination and the physical world that other people can see then was, it sounds so connected and profound to me that like, Mm -hmm. how could it not translate to the way you describe things or. That's funny. It, don't you do that with f- making films? Uh, yeah, but it kind of. Like like even films, I don't know, making film stuff for me, actually, that's an interesting question, it has become very much the, the myth of the auteur is like very prevalent in our society. This idea like Kubrick or somebody who's like this director who like has a vision and they're going to do it a million times to right. they get it and they yeah. get it and da-da-da. And they yell and they're like, this isn't right. Give me that, yeah. something else. It's such bullshit. like. Yeah because a even though tours weren't who people think they are yeah like they looked around on set and said like Guy, yep. what do you think too yep and also because the nature and i think part of this i love film and maybe this is just rooted in because i did theater first which is theater is so about like a temporary thing it's different every night it only exists for you and the people in the room that with film the like true idea of collaboration that like you know in theater live live performances like Inherently the audience is part of the show Mm -hmm. Like you Your exchange is like It's inherently collaborative because of that Because you can't control what other people do on stage The director does this thing for weeks And then lets go of it You can't change what another person is going to say to you If you're an actor back
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That like when I do a film It's like very much an exercise This is how it comes back to the mental health stuff Of like having an idea of what you want mm-hmm. and what you know you need and it has to be this way mm-hmm. and then what reality says you're gonna mm-hmm. get you know and what the lens i was talking to coda about this coda by the way is someone i think of in our friends the way you describe miles very much mm-hmm. i don't know what it is i just coda's like who's been on this podcast too mm-hmm. that i just feel like my impression of him is he's experiencing yeah, more more threads in the tapestry. Yeah, yeah. You know, his yeah. his version has more stuff. Yeah, um, I don't know what was I what was the thing before that.
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know.
1: All right, maybe I'm <laughs> going off the end.
2: But um, I did a, have a thought, and maybe it's gone now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of that vibe. I think we both. lost Well, it. I guess I'll I'll because we could just keep riffing on whatever. But the thing I thought we'd talk about that as just a theme. Um, to go on about for a little bit, Ugh, and maybe it is related to this cause we keep talking like lovingly about these, uh, buddies we have or these other people that are in our lives and this kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe we both, I don't know, you're an artist, you know, we're both like do this thing where we're just taking in our world so constantly and trying to like make sense of it and trying to just survive over the top of it. You and I have known each other for 11 years. We've lived together for like three four it's three, gotta four. be four i think it's going on four is what i think it could be going on f- yeah. five and we've we been like we're pretty close friends before that with um you know our other friends because like we had a group chat we're yeah, just like yeah, really yeah. already in this very place close. of like close friendship close group uh and then we moved in together and we never we didn't like think twice about it really it was i don't think there was a huge yeah. like do you want to move in together? You know, it was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. We checked the place out. You lived like yeah. close to here already. I live yep. close to you already. And it just made sense. Yeah. It was, but as,
2: It was checking boxes too. I, I think I was ready to like save some, save some money, live with yeah. somebody. And I think we'd, uh, we had talked about, mentioned it, toyed with the idea before. So it like,
1: yeah, just fell just into place. Sense. And yep. we would like hang out already like making music and stuff. Like I don't yeah. know. We just whatever. Yeah. At that point, I don't even know. It's like weird. It's all blurred together into like just this who we are now that feels mm-hmm. like it's always been this way. So mm-hmm. it's like hard to tell. But this question has come up as we've talked through it because we've we've been together through like relationships and and weird, like shaky non relationships yeah. and, yep. da, 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 and we've been through so many different things. And we're both in our 30s now. Like, you know, we're, we're like fully grown grown men now. Grown men. In, <laughs> in terms of age. In terms of age. Yeah. Grown men. Yeah. I would yep. call them. And um, the thing that we talk about that, like riffing off that, that's, that's like weird is our previous generations, our dads were not like this. Yeah. Like they may have had better and worse qualities or whatever, but whatever they were, they were part of a generation that had a different idea of what they were supposed to do when they were grownups and different maybe options. Even if we got into like economics of like, you know how much mortgages were and college was and all those things and affording, uh, affording like, a this different kind of life. But this is all to say that like they traditionally paired off in their twenties mm-hmm. and stayed with the same mm-hmm. woman. And, Or whatever, not in my parents' case, eventually, but you know, but had kids and started doing this whole different thing. Yeah, then, yeah, the nuclear family. Yeah, and we feel both like, you know, we're still kids in a lot of ways. It's, It's weird to be facing that we're like, we were talking about this the other day that I, you know, young people are becoming a different species a little bit mm-hmm. if they're young enough they really do experience things and have ideas and ways of speaking in in their cultural like whatever that's like oh wow i'm getting we're getting older now but that being said i think our perception of ourself is still one of curiosity wonder even maybe like possibility for what we're going to be like we didn't right. like have to decide what we the, are already
2: the, yeah that's a, i think a, a huge driving factor of maybe that is one of the strongest motivators out of our generation where there seems like uh always some kind of possibility. Yeah, that like you aren't yet there yet. Yes, but you will get there if you just keep on this road. and uh, I think that yeah, it's hard to figure out whether like our parents' generation had had desires that they sacrificed or that they just uh, kind of had a more ingrained structure of what they were to do with their lives. Like, I think my thought before related to this was like, you know, what input were they getting when they were growing up and formulating their ideas of the world and the ideas of how they should be in family and career and all that, like what was their input? And, uh in relation to what our input is growing up and coming up in a more heavily yeah. entertainment and content focused upbringing where our, a lot of our input was you know movies and this like passive entertainment that we get then we got formulating yeah formulating ideas from all this like movies and celebrity culture and yeah. and now instagram and social media that the input is definitely, probably throwing off our expectations of what yeah, we want to be true. and what we should be.
1: Well, I, I feel like part of that might be, I mean, so the big question that I wanted to, the the theme to explore, just to finally say it out loud, but return to your, your thinking about that, is is uh, just companionship and the different shape that it has taken mm-hmm. for our lives. And I think is I wanted I want to talk about it. <laughs> Cause I think of it this way as like a hopeful and important thing because it also felt related to, um, a few other things that happened, like some, this, this like kid we met this weekend at, uh, that was like, you know, at, at a party mm-hmm. who had like his own young male thing going on of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And, and then watching that, uh, we watched that documentary, I came in last night with uh, Zeke, my other buddy and producing partner. Um, and you were watching this documentary about the raise of, rise of alt-right stuff mm-hmm. in America, these, like, white supremacist groups and Nazis and shit. And we we sat down and kept watching it because it was very compelling, this, mm-hmm. this woman who made this documentary, that, like, every single one of them, it's the most obvious thing in the world, but that, like, they're all just fucking traumatized and lonely and sad and unloved and mm-hmm. hurt. Mm-hmm. And they find these groups to where they feel loved. And, yeah. and I don't know, I think the problem of... Uh loneliness, especially among males and the kind of validation and comfort and love you're able to receive and give among each other and in culture at large um, is pretty sick in like our culture right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like a fucking huge problem.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: even even just on an individual basis of like if we are looking at the ideas, the feelings of depression or loneliness and stuff like that over time in our strange culture we didn't pair off and we don't, you know, necessarily have stable like, mm-hmm. girlfriendy relationships all the time, whatever, that how do you find companionship, mm-hmm. uh, especially among men like who seem to only like a lot of men seem to only allow them young men at least allow themselves to bond if they have somebody else to target like whether it's truly as anger or just like boys locker room talking about, you know, talking about girls, like if there's some object of, or of scorn, like the way men will just bust each other's balls and make fun of each other. Like from junior high, like making fun of each other is how you express love. Um, and I think there's like a perversion of path pathologizing of that sort of instinct. When you, you see in these hate groups, which is like these people who are, they add the violence, add the fear and the hate of the like traumas that happen to them. But then like, Pervert that thing of when we make fun of people, when we fuck with people together, that's how we can be bonded and take that to an extreme. Then it becomes like racism, like violent racist targeting. Like we are all bonded together because there are other races that are threatening the world mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what I mean? It feels like yeah. there's like a perversion of that thing that we have to bond by attacking together. Yeah. Even if it's lighthearted attacking together. Yeah. It
2: is weird to think, because if you feel like the only way to get to that is consciously be like, Oh, yeah, we hate these people, right? Why do we hate them these reasons? Oh yeah, let's you know, let's band together and consciously together hate these people, yeah, but um, but I don't think that's how it happens. It's these more like subconscious. Things and trauma and like, uh, you know, unloved, whatever, right. looking for these connections, bond, yeah, these bonds and safety. And I guess it is just like kind of a locker room vibe of like, uh, yeah, haha, that these fucking people, they suck. They're not even
1: human. That, they, like, you just get to laugh with each yeah, other. Right. You know? Exactly. Is that all it so, is? Somebody said something funny once about like The Sopranos. I heard somebody talk about that show that like the reason one of the maybe one of the reasons men like love mob movies, like Goodfellas is a great movie of all time and all these, you know, uh-huh. all the time is because when you watch these mob movies, like what are the, what do these mobsters do all day? They just hang out with their boys. Yeah. Like, and then sometimes they beat people up and sometimes they take yeah. money from people. Yeah. But really, like, they spend their days, like, just chilling with their boys. just yeah, like, like fucking playing cards or something. Yeah, exactly. We all Smug picture them playing cards and just hanging out and doing nothing. Until one We're of them was to. like, we got to go. We got a job. We got to go yeah. kill this guy. You yeah. know? And, um. <laughs> good, good mob thanks, voice. Thanks, dude. I feel good about that yeah. mob voice. Yeah. We got to go kill <laughs> re- I got guy. Well, I can't say I signed an NDA, but. I'm really actually good at doing mob guys, I guess. You know? Cool, cool.
0: This us kill cool, this guy.
1: <laughs> Hilarious, but um, fuck. Anyway, I think there's something in that. That, I mean, I've I've already been on the record with this much, sim- this very simplified f- diagnosis of of a of a problem I perceive in men, which is in men and culture, like they feel like they're only allowed to be feel loved feel affection if it's uh if they're um fuckable or uh rich like mm-hmm. that's how you feel valuable that's how you yeah do. and and if you don't have those things well then how else could you feel affection how else could you feel love and warmth and security and like a good thing in the world yeah and i think something uh you know not to toot our own horns but that among our group of friends and men and my brothers and something is that like I believe we've discovered this alternative that in some ways I've concerned myself in the past. Like, is it stunting us? Like, are we supposed to be out finding a woman in a hetero, uh, normative monogamous thing and make a family or whatever. And are we just man children? We went to, uh, are we man children? Yeah. yeah. We went to dinner one time with, um, some, some people you worked with and we're joking about like that. We just dress like, like dads, like wearing dad hats (laughs) and like, Mm -hmm. Dad jeans and like you know uh, poorly cut like kind of functional clothing becomes cooler as we get you know whatever mm-hmm. and I was like oh maybe our feeling of how dads dress doesn't have anything to do with them being dads and everything mm-hmm. to do with them getting into their thirties and like <laughs> yeah. being more comfortable in themselves and not yeah. giving a fuck not giving a shit you know yeah and that like did we are we like hitting the dad age and dodge and just dodged the child bullet right no yeah I think that yeah we. Definitely talked about that, that we're
2: like our dad instincts are kicking in
1: without yeah, any without the, any
2: like, dad stuff. The responsibilities
1: the real, for yeah. children or or <laughs> the secure or at least perceived financial security of like a dad, mm-hmm. that, you know, which mm-hmm. now looking back is like they must have never felt that way. They must have always been like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, fuck. I really hope I don't lose this job. Yeah. And this yeah, is yeah. good. And, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, like, my Dad got mad at us for, like, using too many Q-tips every week,
1: you know? Really? Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, exactly. you know, the whole dad joke about, like, don't touch the thermostat. It, dude, It's so my dad. I, I fucking find yeah. myself doing that dude, shit. I, like, never use the thermostat. I haven't <laughs> used that space heater a lot lately. I love that little fucking <laughs> trash can space heater. It makes me feel so cozy. It's very cozy. Um. Ah. Yeah, but I think there's something nice in this idea too. So yes, I, I also wonder when we were talking about that is um, if that's the prevalence of this cultural thing of daddy, you know, like that joke about like, you know, that's like this term of sexy endearment for men in cultures mm-hmm. to be like, Oh, he's so daddy. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'm like, is that some latent, like, you know, like, cause the people saying that are in their twenties, but they're also in the later, later third, like they're all like, is there like the thing that's appealing? Isn't, like, the thing that's appealing when we call somebody daddy isn't the implied weird Oedipal, like, oh, he's the daddy figure to me. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that he's the daddy. He's, like, the husband-father figure that you would look at and be like, oh, a mature male who's comfortable and takes care of things. Right. And would be a great companion and father to my children, so daddy. Like, that there's some latent, like... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, you, I think you're, like,
2: crossing back and forth The boundary between like daddy issues and yeah, a daddy figure,
1: (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? A dad, meaning, I just you can picture it to me. I'm picturing it like the two different ones are like father or or like daddy issues, like the father that's above me, and daddy issues, like the one that's parallel to me as a companion, as like a partner, you know, like someone who would be a good daddy to the to my mommy, right? Right, versus right, a daddy to my child, to my son or daughter. You know what I'm saying? Like I think I think the I think the wider interpretation is this like kink kind of like yeah, thing yeah, of yeah, above yeah. me and right, right. you know scolding and like in charge of me. Right. But I I'm suggesting the possibility that there's some other aspect to it of like
2: like kind of a, a wifey material Yeah, like wifey same. material. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'd, I'd wife her kind of thing. Yeah. I should have wifed her kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Which is like, would be very funny if we call if we were like, just said, she's so mommy. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, that would Which be Which I guess weird. we do umami, mamacita. Umami? Like, not umami. No, oh, like okay. Sour. Not like, not sour, but mom, Yeah, but umami, mommy, M-A-M-I. Yeah, you know? Yeah, I guess that's more Yeah Latina, mama. though. Yeah, ma. I guess that's kind of a thing. Hey, ma. Hey, ma. What's up? Well, I don't think that's prevalent as... It's not as prevalent. Daddy I would culture. like to make mommy a thing. though. That's very funny. Sure, yeah. Mommy AF. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird mommy how Mommy AF is funny. Thing.
2: Yeah. Isn't it's kind of weird how like if you think about mommy issues like a mommy figure doesn't seem sexy to to me, you know. Yeah. I think But I know like a the wider life-y material like you'd be a great mom is yeah. sexy. The,
1: the wider. Well, to me, wife and material is less about a good mom and more about a good, seems to be more about like a good supportive. female yeah. partner. Yeah, yeah.
2: But it would lead
1: to. Potentially. Str- Potentially. Yeah. Strong, mature, responsible. Potentially. Wonderful. But I mean, mom. like, what do you, well, but when you think of like a good partner in a sexual female partner, like a romantic partner, do you picture more like someone who would be a good mom to your kids or more like, a good like partner in crime, like who has your back and is Machiavellian and stuff, you know, Uh, or not necessarily evil, but (laughs) you know what I mean? That would be like, I
2: think the latter
1: ride or die,
2: the former, yeah. More
1: of like someone who would be a nurturing person to other people with you.
2: Yes. And a strong, like singular presence. Yeah. Yeah. Just a a comfortable, confident, you know, strong motherly wife figure.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Nurturing. Yes. So on that thing, I think there is a thing that everyone is programmed to look for, which is a companionship that makes them feel seen and makes them feel loved and comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is related, especially at this time of this age of life and this like, you know, phase of like rhythms and um, daily sort of experiences of habit that are comforting and... A lot of people settle into that like in a romantic relationship and that's the only place they can get it. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've thought about, I think we've talked about a little bit and mostly in humorous terms, is like, is it stunting us? Right. Did it stunt us committing to female relationships or, or, or things that we were in or, or looking for that harder because we have each other basically? Yeah. And not just each other, but like this little network of pretty close friends, but I guess more specifically and and impertinent to this and unique to the conversation that only we could have is yes. Living with somebody else who becomes a companion. There's like a sharing of chores and there's like evening rhythms and rituals that seem similar. And in the space, same space all the
2: time. Proximity. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Just seeing each other more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all those things are I think different between you and I than other friendships for sure.
1: Yeah, well they have to be because we're cuz we're the only people who live with each other for this amount of time. Yeah, no, I I mean it's I mean I may have lived with you more now than I did with Jamie. Yeah. Well, which is weird. I've never but my first my high school girlfriend. Yeah. Because who we you met when we first knew each other, but that's surreal to me to think like, right? At least living one on one, at least like living, you know. um,
2: Yeah, it 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 is a, a weird dilemma. Like thinking about it's hard to it's hard to figure out what's the right path of either. I should be doing this like the ideals of past generation oh you're not starting a family oh you're like changing career all the time or whatever Mm -hmm. you don't have something stable oh you're just hanging out with your friends oh you're playing video games should you not be doing those things or are those just the things that you do it that make you happy that this is a new kind of this is a new living kind of thing this is a new kind well, of thing
1: do you think because the other aspect of it too i mean like the standard you know natural quote-unquote model of why people pair bond or whatever is to reproduce. reproduce and then protect those those progeny um but i you know the other thing that we have in common is that we we're both artists and we both have these like you know, unrealistic um, aspirations to like mm-hmm. make art mm-hmm. forever and make big art and like mm-hmm. keep growing the mass of the art that we make mm-hmm. and and how successful and present it is in the world and that kind of aspiration that early on I was like, oh, I'm just going to have this. I have to just mm-hmm. do this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would do something else if it didn't feel like this is the only thing that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And is that, you know, I don't know. I I, I think about yeah. the kid thing a lot. Like, does that what is what is that and how is that in terms of like is is it possible that the, that there's this lie this big lie yeah. of like the natural yeah. purpose quote unquote right.
2: right yeah no that just like connected dots from before like thinking what is the input again cuz there's yes. some people that still of course have the thought in their head like I want to have a family. I want to have you know, a, a house, a career, whatever. And I, mean, I want that to be my life. I'll
1: take that further. There are people who still have the thought in their head that it's selfish to not have children. Right. That's because who's going to pass it forward or whatever? Yeah. Despite the fact that clearly we're not going to run out of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? We just keep <laughs> yeah. spreading and growing. Yeah. Clearly yeah. it's not an issue that we have to make more Procreate. people.
2: Yeah. But then, like, but that is that, interesting what
1: you're saying—that some people do have that impulse.
2: Yeah, some people have that impulse, and just like you said before, what makes us go have this impulse to be like this aspiration of art and music? I I've got this thing that I want to work towards, and this idea of being an artist in some form—that is the goal, aspiration, vision—that can equal that can equal the other vision of having a career family i mean obviously right well that's right obvious when i say it but
1: sure but this idea ease, that like your ease, creations are, are your children to some degree
2: yeah well yeah just those that impulse is the same yeah just two different two different outcomes yeah and where is that input coming from where did we get the idea of being well an that's a good question aspiring to that Is it seeing things on the TV and being like, wow,
1: there's there's that's an option. There's all that like be having it be such an option and such a celebrity worship early of like to be an artist, to be somebody who doesn't do because that is the thing. When you mentioned the Instagram thing, that's what made me think of it is that even if it's just on your little tiny following of Instagram, even if that following is very tiny and it's just you cultivating something that looks like that and you experience your life like weirdly you're your own favorite celebrity, Mm -hmm. you know, as this object. yeah. That those people, like even even if actors that are really famous to us do choose something traditional, they have a mate and a, have kids in a house that stays very quote unquote traditional. We still picture them like these standalone figures, mm-hmm. unattached, who have their own stories. They do live mm-hmm. out these stories if they're actors, like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We don't. We it's something in perceiving them as these unique individuals unattached is inherent. And so then we do that for ourselves to like remain unattached, to remain individual, someone for whom like any possibility is still always on the table. Yeah. I mean,
2: for me, it's not even like there's no, there's never any time where I'm like, I don't want to be attached because that fucks with my vision of myself.
1: Well th- you know. but, but you don't feel well this is what i'm saying is like if you a celebrity that touches your life an artist not mm-hmm. even a celebrity say an artist mm-hmm. you know david bowie or something you, you never maybe david bowie is the wrong example cuz he's so like fashion and cool kind of vibe but like you you never you never think of you think of that person as an idea mm-hmm. like not as a real human
0: mm-hmm. an
1: idea that is that imbues its universe around it with an extra kind of beauty and curiosity and fascination they're, they're not a real flesh and blood human they're a series of ephemeral works and concepts and inspirations that have like affected your life yeah and that's what you think of a celebrity artist as yeah. not as a person who has a family or shuts down their options or closes their doors by weighing down with responsibilities mm-hmm. they're like the forever muse they're yeah. the they're like they might have made an album when they're like 22 yeah. that will always be to you who they are, even though they've moved far on past that. And anytime you make an art, I do think you realize, you feel like it comes from outside of you. It's like a thing, once you're a few years on from it, you're like, oh, I don't even relate to that anymore. And I think it's interesting to think that growing up with those examples and seeing them so much, and then now this availability of Instagram and social media and like advertising culture that like the, the natural child of that that came up from the 40s and 50s, To make you a celebrity of your own life, that there's almost a way to treat your own self like an idea, like to treat yourself like an idea that represents whatever values and qualities you wish you did or think you did. An abstraction, though. And so now instead of being a person to ourselves, we become abstractions to ourselves.
2: Where we're always thinking and observing ourselves. Yes. From a,
1: Who am yeah. I? What's my image? What's my aesthetic? What kind of like, what's my brand?
2: Yeah. It's like the a- actor on stage doing nothing. It's yes. like, how can I now do anything? Yes. Authentic because yes. I'm always observing myself.
1: I am constantly providing an audience for myself yes. to be reacting and collaborating with yeah. instead of just living. living. That's fucking weird. But I, I do have that
2: thought of, uh, what you have to come back to the idea of like, what do I want to do? Not, not, don't think about what what do I want
1: to be? How do I want to be perceived? What I look like? Yes. What do I want to do? do, You know? And that's like any time. Actually, I think that's a great fucking way to get out of the existential problem. Yeah. Which I've experienced my life from making it more, bringing it down to the earth of mental health, like practical mental health stuff. I will say in the past, I so many times in my life, I've wondered um. W- won't someone come save me? Will someone come save me? Can't someone mm-hmm. see me come help me? Please, I need someone to show up for me. Show up mm-hmm. for me. If thinking that, feeling that, knowing I needed an audience, I needed something. If people just thought mm-hmm. I was beautiful or interesting mm-hmm. or could help me with that or come blah, 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 blah. And it never works. Nobody right. shows up when you need someone right. to show up. Right. You know, unless you ask, fucking right. ask somebody because you need help, which yeah. does work actually yes. with yes. friends. Yes. But existentially speaking... On the flip side, anytime I just – if I'm in that space, go show up for someone else, check in with someone, go help on a project, cook something for someone, just anything where you go out of yourself and do a thing and not focus on how you feel and how someone else could make you feel differently or how – whatever. Like if you go do something, it it takes that energy and and it puts you into your hands and into the world and you see that you exist by the evidence of other people that you can help. Yeah, And I think that that is, I don't know, anybody, it's so easy, that depressy kind of space we can get in. I do think that might be the difference between introspection and, like, navel-gazing, you know, of, like, um, this kind of uh, self-obsession that sort of mixes with self-flagellation, this self-observation that is... um, Mm -hmm. Not experienced and not mm-hmm. introspective and mindful, mm-hmm. but becomes, I don't know, like judgy and trapped. And I don't know, anytime you feel like the energy is like pointing all inward towards yourself, mm-hmm. anything you can do to redirect that back outwards yeah. becomes yeah. generally, I think, an answer to escaping.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is it is like, uh, I think... Uh, much, I've realized this much more growing up and being in being a thirties grown man. Yeah, uh, finding the results you want in the um, the effects of doing things like, uh, like you know, working on music for an extended period of time and getting better gives you. A sense of fulfillment. Yeah. You know, not I'm going to do this thing because I think it'll look cool and this is kind of the image that I want. Right. You're getting emotional responses from growing and building and uh, acting, you know? Yeah, putting things out. Putting things out which is a true fulfillment. Um, And even just like going and working out, being older, you know that that is going to improve your emotional state, Mm -hmm. which is very real. Yes, Realizing those program things that are running all the time and being able to access them a bit more is, yeah, I think I guess something that you just, that comes with, maybe some maturity, but Mm -hmm. it's getting harder to realize because you're so caught up with aesthetic and
1: sometimes I think, I think that maturity is, uh, is like defined most inherently by, um, shedding self-destructive habits. Yeah.
2: I feel like we've definitely been doing a, a lot of those over the past years. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I, And getting shedding them, you mean? Shedding them. We've done them. We've done them plenty. We've done them together. We've done that. But there isn't. There is a quality. I I think it's interesting. Just as I get older, um, fireworks. I think it's fireworks. Yeah, great. We're always playing gunshots or fireworks in the neighborhood. (laughs) The gunshots or fireworks. Um, that the gunshots or fireworks derailed me slightly. Yeah, yeah. We're like, did it pop? Did it crack? To get a little sonic some, boom or is it bassier? here? If it's bassier, it's probably a firework. If there's yeah. a crack, it's usually it's is there it's multiple. It. No, yeah. the crack because it because so, there's something breaking the sound barrier. hmm The bullets breaking the sound yeah. barrier, which Interesting. causes
2: that. Like, <laughs> Interesting. You know, it just where, turned into a science podcast. Do you
1: know well, do you know that's how why bull whips are so loud? Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because the tip of yep. the string breaks the sound barrier the the centrifugal force goes so fast. I think that's fascinating. Whips are whips are insane.
2: I'm well, um, talking know. about one of the, that was one of the things, one of the things about maturing, getting
1: older, shedding self-destructive. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, shedding. That is, I'm just surprised to find that it's, it's getting easier to not do the self-destructive things. Right. Yeah. 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 It was Definitely hard is. before. Definitely I, remember, I remember trying to quit drinking for 30 days one time and being like, oh, fuck, this fucking sucks. This is so hard. I know. You know? It's
2: so weird. Uh, 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 it's tough to like take credit for it or anything too at times because the feeling is just don't do this thing
1: yeah it like doesn't even sound as fun yeah i'm already entering i think uh the one of limiting coffee yep because i'm like fuck my stomach's like really it's fucking my stomach up a lot yeah it sucks i love it so much i know it's so good um, but it's like weird it's weird that it's just like the trade-off is just like it's just not worth it yeah and it never was worth it like <laughs> you, like you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. puking from the spins, uh, drinking and stuff was Ugh. like never worth it. Never worth it. But it's weird that now it really feels that way. Yeah, and to
2: even think about it, there was no benefit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you know, I think it's important to have like experiences <laughs> like that to look back yeah. on, and it's
2: just so funny to think like. Well, you got sick, but you did have a lot of
1: fun. But it's, it's, And it's weird I to me remember. to think there are people who never do that, who yeah. just hear the cautionary tale, yep. who are like, yeah, if you drink too much, you puke. Yeah. <laughs> and, and are just yeah. like, maybe try, like at some point. They never really like love the taste of liquor. Yeah. Like they never, like they're grown grownups who would have whiskey and go, oh, wow, you know, yeah. like, oh, Wow, that's strong. <laughs> Instead of just
2: like the way we would drink, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, this is terrible. Give me more.
1: Yeah, I mean, so dude, it tastes so good. Like it really tastes good to me, even though that can't be true. You know, it, yeah. it's just it's yeah, just yeah. weird that it's weird to think there are some people who the the chance at having self destructive romantic stories. And experiences like that and didn't appeal to them. No. And just lived this other life where they were like, yeah, I've never made like myself the, sick from
2: drinking. Like the postman, probably? Like the, the proverbial, proverbial postman, postman of the, like, just some guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Pretty much. I don't know. That that's, that concept's still interesting me.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll pursue it. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I could just start I mean, doing you do it, it. it on this podcast, I guess, more. But, like, without the bent of, mental health so much mm-hmm. i mean this podcast could easily slide that way and but be that's like what... i could easily do that a series of like <laughs> this isn't focused on what's wrong this isn't like what's your mental problem yeah. and mental health yeah which i think is like kind of unfortunate that that is the way that mental health podcasts and mine and all mental health discussion is is structured is like what's wrong even this po- mm-hmm. even this episode i'm trying to mm-hmm. go like what i'd like to discuss is like making is people there's understand wrong with us yes yeah that there's or more that like this per- – well, I guess the one of this I wanted to kind of get across, my ulterior motive was that the the perception that there is something wrong with you for feeling weird that you are alone and not a quote-unquote normal paired-off companion person is a false one, I believe, and that you have more to offer the world than some sense of like per- – Procreation. Yeah, well, procreation, of course, and then also some sense of like – Proving that you're a normal, quiet, calm, safe, lovable person who's going to have this ro- paired-off romantic thing like these, this strange, like singular vision of how we're supposed to feel fulfilled, yeah, and feel yeah. connected and warm and well, safe,
2: yeah. It's fucking silly. Where did the where did, where did the input come from?
1: Well, where did the input come from? I mean, part of it, I guess, came from, uh family modeling, but definitely the media. Definitely, like, yeah. Social mores at large, religion, yeah, religion, yeah. Whether
2: you practice it or not, it's no, religion totally pa- trying to pass
1: that. Did down. you ever read that book? Um, did you read that book when you were a kid? It was like a picture book about like this street of all the houses are exactly the same, uh-uh. and one day this bucket of orange paint falls out of the sky on the roof of one of the houses. <laughs> no, no, the story's no. like it's this street. And one day, a bucket of orange paint falls out of the sky. Nobody knows where it came from or what happened. Lands on the roof of this house. And it's, and it's just this big, giant, crazy splashes of neon orange are on the roof of the house. Mm-hmm. And the street, every house is the same and neat and happy. And everybody else on the street is like, oh, well, he'll clean that up. He'll fix that up right away. I yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But the person who owns the house, the next morning, everybody wakes up and it's like a million colors. And it's yeah. so like crazy and different. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I just got inspired. I like like love the orange on my roof. And so I painted all these other amazing colors. That's what I I thought they it would be cool that way. I love it. And people in the street are like, oh, what the fuck? You're ruining the street. You gotta like make your house plain again like ours. Make it neat. Make us the same. And then like the next day though, another house on the street uh is is suddenly a boat. It's like shaped like a boat. And it's like, they were like, yeah, you know, I always like wanted a boat house, like a boat shaped (laughs) house. And, and so I don't know, I guess the guy with the orange house just made me think like, yeah, like a boat shaped house. Yeah. And then it's like, just snowballs till like, there's like maybe some whole, but every, you know, the story basically is just like everybody in the street starts having, making their house what they want their house Mm -hmm. to be. And it's like this beautiful story that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's coming back now, but I do think the basic imperative or suggested like possible reality of that thing which is like hey yeah life can be totally normal and fine to like be the same as everyone else but like the first time something different shows up in you you don't have to cover it up and repaint it to make Mm -hmm. it look like everybody else's house Mm -hmm. what if you took that first different thing and ran with it yeah and we're like celebrated it and and fed it and we're like match the rest of your life to that strange unique thing about you that was beautiful like not only is that a good idea but also like it inspires other people to do it too Mm -hmm. and if we all did that like maybe waited for the accidental unique thing that showed up in us that was like oh that's different than everybody else's Mm -hmm. and then just let that flourish like what a thing that would be, and then I think there is a kind of interesting thing that's happened among uh, us and our friends, at least, of like pretty non traditional uh, closeness and friendship. And yeah, you know, yeah. I mean,
2: I don't think I don't think I've tried to think about who else I know that would be in a similar situation as us, but I just did, and it, I can't think of anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you I mean, know? I think like we kind of have this unique thing with these extended networks too i mean some people were a little more traditional i guess got married or whatever but i don't know i also i don't know i think i just see it Ah, uh, i don't know if i see it more in the world i feel increasingly sort of like strange i guess in this sort of like perception of like that reality, the thing I was talking about earlier, that like reality is something we all just hallucinate hallucinate together, Yeah. but that like within that, within our constructs of reality, uh, of society and what makes us feel connected or safe or comfortable. And I don't know, I think it's kind of hard not to attach your mental wellness to what's normal. Right.
2: That is you know? good. Yeah. Like I, I don't edge. get
1: offended by like quote unquote ableist sort of language about like, some people don't even like the word idiot, but like. About like oh, I'm so crazy or I'm so fucking fucked mm-hmm. up and depressed. I, I just language that makes it's easier for me to cope with and it's funny mm-hmm. and I don't, I never think about it at all. But I do think that, um, instead of calling people crazy or whatever, this idea or or normal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. saying that, uh, sorry, the flip side of it, instead of using the term normal, they use that term neurotypical.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and I think that there is something about that because normal does seem to carry this like moral value of like good. Mm-hmm. Like normal, if you're not normal, it's kind of like bad. Yeah. Instead of just, instead of this alternative idea of like, what about neurotypical and atypical? Mm-hmm. That like, maybe there's just something atypical about what's going on, but it's not, it doesn't, it's not like weird. And I yeah. like the word weird and I think I was So yeah. I don't mind it, but I do think it's, it creates more clarity in the vocabulary to say like, just like there's maybe neurotypical ways, like there's maybe there's typical ways to feel connected to your. Humanity around you and other human beings, like or a small group of personal, intimate, knowing people. There's also atypical ways that can be as satisfying and rich and unique.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're just talking about that, it's weird that you you kind of like. I don't know if it's different groups creating different, um, connotations with the word normal. Yeah, but you kind of get conflicted because.
1: Because normal starts to sound because like normal dumb, starts dinky, to sound like yes boring. exactly don't want to be that
2: exactly so you get it from both sides and you get trapped like they're I am always like go back and forth between like uh, there's too much like individualism in Los Angeles too many people getting but, to be artists but that
1: but that seems to me to be more you you're kind of in your brain conflating and struggling with this thing of what you were describing. And we were kind of co-creating, I guess, about like the vision of one as one's own celebrity. Mm-hmm. instead of like being yourself being an artist, mm-hmm. you're like being yourself being the audience to yourself being an artist. right. And that feedback of like, yeah, I'd like, you know what I mean? Yeah, the whole joke about like people, I mean, and this is kind of writers talk about this in a funny way and I think in an ironic way, but like how we all love uh, we hate writing, but we loving love having written. Being like, you know what I mean? Like the process of writing is so excruciating; it becomes this joke. But I think there is an aspect that 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 to me seems to be what you chafe at more when you describe. Like, is everybody just too creative and too like unique? "Quote Mm -hmm. unquote." It's not that they're truly
2: trying to be creative and unique for only the uniqueness to be unique, to be like
1: the have the the descriptor and archetype and aesthetic of unique, exactly. Which is exactly. funny because I, I think I think about that sometimes. I joke about like I joked about this on the Valley Cast, the Valley Folk Podcast, I did the other week, where we were all talking about how great it is creating things with people you like, especially like you just giggle fest, like when you make <laughs> films, when you make things with people that makes you fucking laugh mm. and you make each other laugh and break on how wonderful that is. And I and I was saying that sometimes I do have this vision of myself that I'm just gonna um that I'm gonna I would be like an artsy, dark, like very like indie mm-hmm. kind of abstract. Sexual, dark, weird movies. And, uh-huh. You know what I mean? And you make yeah, these yeah. intense pieces that I kind of like to see emo. and whatever. But like then I'm like, what would set be like? Like, yeah. it's so fucking yeah. boring on set. Yeah, and I'm gonna like start wearing hats, I guess, and like <laughs> and kind of just be like, mm, mm. like you know, like one of these artsy kind of people in Silver yeah, Lake, that's, and just that's like very interesting, you know. And I have a fantasy of kind of being that, but that's like my. Version of not being in my life and being myself and being what right. I instinctively create, right? But of wishing that I were a kind of yeah, creative, cool person,
2: molding yourself into the vision that you'd, yes. you yes can imagine
1: to be That's- like to the audience of me observing the celebrity yeah. that I wish I was. Yeah, it
2: does make you realize how crazy and dedicated some people have to be to some certain visions yeah. <laughs> for these movies to come out with
1: right
0: or, really or that it
1: just fits them perhaps that they truly feel that way yeah like the exactly. dedication to the vision isn't uh, an artificial one at all exactly yeah exactly. for some of them yeah for sure yeah i don't know i mean who knows i feel like i'm just a baby in my creative like life you know like I really do feel like I'm barely scratching the surface. I think I think, agree. I I think agree. internet culture actually and and app kind of culture hurt that for a bit. I think like I'm grateful for all my time in like digital media uh, and YouTube and all that shit because I think it'll shape all of us like the strangeness of this time of like the micro the good ass content joke that I make all the time like mm-hmm. the micro content, the impulsive thing that takes no planning and takes no effort and mm-hmm. is just like here and makes some people laugh or get some mm-hmm. likes or whatever and maybe even goes viral you know yeah like i'll appreciate the time of that for what it was and what i experienced but the same way like when clever shut down and i felt this kind of like sense of like good i need to stop that yeah yeah yeah. you know yeah. i need to like start doing or like i was shocked oh, yeah. you know what i mean well, things that like you're like wait I, when you you went and started making like working on your music and the production yeah. started getting bigger and more yeah. in depth and more like you know what i mean yeah and and not just that but that just the fact that you were making it at a professional level instead of just like serving it, observing it. There's this thing Ira glass has talked about where like the, the, the space between wanting to be a creative and then being one. Yeah. And that like to get into making art, you, you, you have to have good taste like, because you wouldn't do it if you didn't like think about it all the time and love it and how devastating it is the first time you try to make something right. And, and believe like with your good taste and the thing you want to make and you hear it back and you're like, Oh no! You know, when you see it back, and you are like, "Oh, that's not how I picture that." Looking in my head, that's the shot we got. That's not mm-hmm. what I. Was. And that, the, and then you just have to power through that and keep making things, so that maybe one day you really will be making the things you actually want to make,
2: like you, the drawing uh, analogy. Yes, the drawing analogy. Yeah, that the closing of the gap between what you imagine and what you're, yeah, and what you like to
1: do and make it really is you have to do it over and over and make things that are going to yeah, make you want to die when you see
2: them. That's what a master is. Someone who just keeps Masters doing craft. it. Yeah. Can, well, keeps doing it, but can speak f- freely in the, the language
1: of yes, whatever. Yes. Speak freely. Craft they're doing. And because I do believe, I still believe that even the mastery is, is still not like, I almost feel like getting to a level where you can do the auteur thing and really put out what you want, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. specifically. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like, I think that still is like lower than mastery. That like true mastery is meeting it where it is, is going into the preconceived notion of what you think it should be and finding it turn into something else, not because of incompetence or because of like inexperience, but because you know how to listen to like that language of the world that says like this thing you wanted to create is saying to be something else. And then you follow that and find something better that you've now co-created with, like, the, you know, sentience of existence itself.
2: That that sounds very much like uh, who's the uh, the, um, documentary guy. Damn it.
1: Werner Herzog. Yes, hell <laughs> so yeah, dude. Her- that's the nicest thing you ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, that's so a very Wer- Werner Herzog. It's one day you will not try to create anymore, <laughs> but you will listen to the <laughs> language it will of the create world. You. <laughs> it will create itself.
2: You create each other.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, let me move into my final question section. This has been oh, a nice, heady little existential thing, but let's yes, do the six quick fun. cues anyway, even though. I don't know. This was kind of abruptly started and abruptly ended, but I don't know. Got to, I, I'm trying to contain these babies a little bit more these days. Um, so six quick cues. The first one is yeah. always like, have you um, been diagnosed with any kind of mental stuff? And even if not, I'm trying to just broaden this question out more and more every time into like, what, what do you struggle with? What's your biggest mental health struggle?
2: Yeah. I've never been diagnosed with anything I think I had a tendency to try to, like, self-diagnose or figure myself out a lot and had tried things. You know, I've had, like, uh, always struggled with, like, alcohol. right? And there was a time, you know, I've...
1: You've You've done periods of sobriety, though, too, right? For, like, years at a time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I had a period of, like, three years of strict sobriety. And... It was, are, it was it was definitely good. That? Uh, that was that was just when I moved out here. I think it started when I was. It started before I moved out here and overlapped into when I moved out here. How old are um, you now? Thirty six now. So that was. Isn't that weird that I met in like you like when you were twenty
1: six? Yeah, that's. insane, That means dude. I met you when I was twenty six. I was twenty three. <laughs> dude, yeah, that's crazy. That's like when, when I think what really a third, twenty-three or twenty-six-year-old is yeah. now. I'm like, oh, insanity. Babies. Yeah, that's weird, yeah. dude. <laughs> Fucking, that's a third of our life. A decade ago, about
2: I mean, a little less, but a third of our yeah, exactly. Crazy. A third. Really of our wild.
1: Life. Anyway, so I, I diagnosed diagnose You would have yeah, trouble with that, and then and
2: I would always be like, "What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me?" Type of thing and try to try different things. What
1: felt wrong?
2: Uh, uh, I probably can't even answer that now, but it felt like, um, I didn't know who I was and I wasn't, you know, that good at being social with, especially without alcohol Uh and social awkwardness. Um, and that sort of thing. So I think that, that was combined with the alcohol and trying to figure out who I was and be okay with myself and try to like, you know, just interact with the world and having some kind of vision of myself that wasn't playing out and trying to figure
1: that out. Did you, did you have a vision of who you thought you should be that you weren't living up to, or did you not, really have a vision but just a feeling that you didn't like what it was or that it was something wrong with what it was Uh, that's uh, I mean
2: that's interesting and since I mean it's been so long since I've felt like that felt like that but what was the turning point I know oh uh, I don't know it's just been it's been gradual yeah a lot of different things Happened. There was, you know, a, there was a relationship in New York that was kind of a breaking point. You know, you, yeah. I think you've seen, I've, but, you know, had friends and whatever that I've experienced go through the same kind of heartbreak that isn't just a heartbreak. It's like a kind of a personal trauma, you yeah. know, a questioning of identity and such. And I think that was a big point for me. And, you know, just relationships, going through things, dealing with like alcohol and, and such and kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what else, but I think it's, I think it's a lot of learning from, from everything, little, little bits of everything, friendships, relationships, uh, family, um, life you, career like, just
1: makes you feel more like this chipping away at figuring out like this is who I am yeah this is the one that feels like who yeah I am. yeah f- Do you would you would you characterize that initial feeling that maybe contributed to the wanting to drink more and this the off feeling was it like one of f- f- like and just purely existential of like the question of like who am i and i don't feel right in this world like the matrix kind of a thing Do you know what i mean like yeah even, like, i'm not even making a joke out of the matrix no, i no, think no, the matrix no. is very like <laughs> true to our the question of our time of our yeah. generation this like feeling that the world is wrong like there's something off about it or how i fit into it yeah is that like the nature of what you were describing as like the thing you feel you struggle with? I don't think or so.
2: Struggle. Before, you know, high school, college kind of days, I don't think it was that. I think it was more simply like, I want to be cool. I want to be fun. I want to be this yeah person liked by everybody type of thing. Yeah. Um, And I don't know where I got that idea from, but, you know, I think... yeah a part of it was that I was a younger brother and I saw my older brothers. Yeah. I put them on a pedestal, you know, right, them having, right. having fun and being cool, older. Uh, right. and that, that might've played into that, but you know, just the just the idea of like drinking, partying, experiencing yeah. the world, these romantic ideas of, you know, moving to New York and, and meeting people and artists and cool feeling that cool of
1: in the, whatever in the, that
2: aspiring to that
1: you know intervening 15 or 20 years or whatever like do you feel uh, so you're saying something happened gradually over that time that was like no longer as concerned with you know being defined or, or your value being defined by like the affections of generic other people thinking you were cool you know what I mean
2: yeah. Yeah. I think I think that has gradually happened where again it's like what do I want to find fulfillment from? What do I like to do? Mhm. Yeah. Rather than What do
1: I want to be seen as? I guess I, yes, like there's that makes that's really like I do think if you shift your experience of personal value and personal enjoyment of life away, like away from how am I perceived, uh, to how do I feel when I do certain things, then you focus on, like, yeah, well, what is. Not the feeling that I get from other people having an idea about me, mm-hmm. but the feeling I get from doing things that I choose to do. Mm-hmm. And if you, that which is within your control. Yeah. The other thing is so arbitrary. Yeah. The thing that's within your control is like, yeah. what can I do with my hands and my heart and my intention and my time? Yeah. That brings me a good feeling. Yeah. That is as good or better than that feeling of people like magically liking me that I have no control over. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. really fucking good. Yeah, I think there's like very profound, like specific advice in that of like, again, stop trying to wait for people to show up for you. Show up yeah. for other people that like yeah. start trying to. If you feel very concerned, I feel like that's an anxiety thing too, for me. Like, if you feel very concerned with the opinions of other people and the feelings of other people and your external world and how it affects you, try to like look at it, you know what are you doing. Like why not just shift the focus to things that you can do that make you feel good?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause
1: then it's in your power. Then it's yeah. under your, you know.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't want to like, I, I, you know, th- going through that, that thought process, there's obviously rewards to be had for, you know, striving for, you know, accolades or whatever, or peer respect that maybe not be, that may not be the, you know, fulfillment of just the thing, yeah. which can also lead to success and whatever f- fulfillment and right. happiness, perhaps. But so I just don't want to discount those things. But yeah, but
1: that's funny because that that's like a byproduct of yeah. doing something. Exactly. That's like, exactly. I don't know. I feel it's almost like being really concerned with your perception and and the shape of you in the universe, rather than like the shaping of things in your yeah. hands. He's really putting the cart before the horse.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to the reason I say that is because I don't want to I, I feel like there's possibilities of people having strong motivations from something like that 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 helps help them strive to be great. You know, yeah. like Michael yeah. Jordan, I think, was always so competitive with his siblings and that helped Shape him as a basketball player or whatever growing yeah, up, but you know?
1: I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. he was also like a corrosively unhappy person, it seems.
2: Exactly. Like, and I mean, you know? wh- who's going to, so yeah, who's going to j- tell Michael Jordan that like you got to work on yourself and enjoy basketball more than well, worrying like, about who's better than you? I know.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, well, that's what my, that's what like there will be blood is about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This like bizarre celebration What's more important? of the masculine ideal yeah. as like there's a competition in me. Yeah, I want no one else to succeed. Yeah, I hate most people. Yeah. I see nothing in them worth liking.
2: Yep, my I mean, a lot. Yep, yeah, my brother would do the um milkshake quote. Yeah, right now, but, but I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, okay.
1: Um, oh, yeah. So the second question is, like, you done any kind of therapy or um, you tried any medications? I know, like, that uh, obviously drinking would would fall into that category to some degree. But, like, yeah, you try any medications? You try any therapies? What's, what's worked for you or not worked? What have you
2: tried? Um, I, I had a – when I had a, like, really tragic time, the first time when I was living in New York and this relationship really fucked me up, I went to a couple therapy sessions and, um, it was just like one intro, to, uh, intro session basically. And I never followed up on that. I actually ended up just moving out of New York and just, uh, moving home for a bit. So it never, it wasn't as, um, didn't seem as urgent and being in a safe space, let me settle in and, yeah. and repair or whatever for for that period of time. And I've always toyed with the idea of going to therapy just to, you know, talk things through with people. But um, I also went to uh, an AA meeting once with a friend just to get a sense of it and see if that was an issue. And I don't know, like I'm not certain that it's not an issue, but I've always been okay surviving without those things, I think. And it's been, so it's never been like an urgent sense of like, I'm fucking freaking out. I need to do something. Yeah,
1: yeah. I uh, put Alan on the past. and That was really great. Um, I don't think you're. I don't think twelve step would be necessarily a thing for you. Yeah. Just because I've pers- I've seen you a yeah. lot, and it's like you're able to have some and not let it like just run wild right. in your life. You're not. Yeah. I, you know, I don't see you like using it to like escape too much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I know, but yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, totally, even the way, well, both of us because we kind of let each other do it for a while, like, we'll just drink at home and stuff. I drink yep. alone all the time, and yeah, you know, um, yeah, well, anyway, uh, what's something this is three, what's something cheesy that you find inspiring? Cheesy that I find
2: inspiring, uh, geez, well. Figuring out something cheesy that I like is
1: a struggle too. Corny, Hallmarky, or whatever. Inspirational. Hmm. Really? This is tough. (laughs) This is tough.
2: I mean, like things like pop music.
1: Yeah, that counts. That would definitely count. Yeah, I mean, like is there a song you think of in particular?
2: Uh, there's there's been there's been some pop songs recently, but it's it's more like the sense of like, there's like still so much talent, yeah, and work around it, and yeah, all these things coming together. They like,
1: damn, I know it's funny. I started looking at like big commercial movies differently, really yeah, differently. yeah, because like we shit on them our whole life, like a movie like Transformers or something mm-hmm. like that or whatever. But like the fucking work and like that and honest to God craftsmanship it goes into mm-hmm. like making something that good and that polished is yeah yes a lot of resources. Yeah. But you, but but people don't understand like yes things cost a lot of money, but you're paying for very talented people to do things. Like yeah. It's amazing.
2: Even the yeah, even to it. Even shitty songs and stuff still got these, yeah, like... Yeah, like, pop production. Yeah, mix engineers. You're, like... Even industry people who might seem like just, you know, just yeah. doing their slick industry shit for themselves. But a lot of work goes into... Yeah, all aspects of those things going together. Yeah, the movies especially, like movies especially. just admiring the the production. Well, the
1: other thing the too, I was studies, on a plane recently, Where I watched First Reformed, that Ethan Hawke movie. That, yeah, um, I thought yeah. It was pretty. I haven't seen that one. Pretty see it. fucking good, I thought. And I watched on the back seat of a fucking airplane. You know, like the back headers of an airplane. And I really did have a moment of like, and the ladies like in the aisle trying to like sell you the credit card of the airline, and just that feeling of like, damn art like leaks through still like mm-hmm. the weirdness, like in all the like commercial bullshit and all the things and all the blah, blah, blah. People say mm-hmm. it's like all just to make money still somehow this fucking movie about like the, the way we're destroying ourselves and our planet. And this like mm-hmm. really emotional, spiritual, and also like literal climate change. It's like all, of, you know, in the back, mm-hmm. satirized, this fucking airplane is <laughs> yeah. so amazing. Like yeah. that, that like, somehow makes it through the filter. This, is like, yeah. legit art. It's amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, four is... Um, fourth question is, what's something dark about you?
2: There's a lot dark about me, I feel like. Uh, I think that I'm always looking for, like, the weird, dark side of art and... and thought and yeah any anything really it just has always been more fascinating for me uh way more interesting like i I have a hard time making happy music for sure really yeah definitely i, mean, I, guess,
1: that, I guess i know what you mean yeah definitely I, yeah your stuff's all pretty like epic at the very brightest, you know, yeah it's like yeah it's, yeah. Still, like, it's still, like movie, yeah yeah, and it's like like big big way, not you're right, you don't really like you don't really like, like jingles that they'll put under like Like, listicle videos on instagram i
2: remember tony tony wanted me to um write that song at the end of uh fourth door and it was kind of like a closing out kind of joyous. everybody's dancing around and it's celebratory it's very tough very tough
1: oh yeah you did write that yeah it was
2: bouncy and whatever and i was like "Uh, okay but yeah yeah that's interesting but um I, th- and I also really like dark dreams that I have and they can be very mm. terrifying sometimes, but I don't, again, it's like, what makes me respond to those and not other things. Right. Like why, where did that, where did that impulse come from where I'm like, fuck, that scared the shit out of me. I don't want to go back to sleep and tomorrow I'm going to really love this dream that I had, if I can remember. It, you yeah, know?
1: that is interesting. I wonder what that is about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an answer. I, I think don't know. Because I feel similarly. Like I, I have, um, like I was just telling you before this podcast started, like this weekend yeah. I was having a weird like dissociative, as I was falling asleep, getting like sleep paralysis thing I haven't had a while that I even like, even to the point of like sort of on the peripheral of my vision feeling like a shadow figure in the corner kind of a feeling. Not, like, a super-duper intense one, but, like, you know? Yeah. And But, like, I, like, like that. Yeah. It's kind of the way, like, edible weed and stuff, like, scared me and when I first tried. I'd be like, "Oh, this is way too much. I don't think I like that. Oh, yeah. And I'm increasingly, like, like it. I like to, like, oh, push yeah. the weirder spaces. Yeah. Because the more, it's like, I feel like it's, like, getting good at hang gliding or something. Like, you're probably, like, really fucking scared the first yeah. time you go skydiving. <laughs> and then eventually you're, like... Gl- you know, let's do some bass jumping yeah. and then you're like let's do some wingsuit base jumping <laughs> let's just jump off a fucking slopey hill and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and so like one day basically i'm saying so one day i'm gonna heroin? hit a bridge dude you're doing heroin dude? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i do i would do want to like get more into psychedelics i want to like yeah go on journeys you know
2: yeah that can be that can be scary and dark too but
1: it can be but it sounds like a lot of intriguing good. yeah there's a lot of And if you have this, if you have like a sense of your like, to me, uh, spiritual strength or something, like you have a safety, a Mm -hmm. feeling of like I prepared myself for this, and I know I'm in a safe place to come back to, and I think it makes it easier to like go into the dark, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: That's good. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, All right, five is what's the last gorgeous thing you saw?
2: I guess the fucking sunset yesterday was really fucking that was I hate crazy the la cheese and i'm usually totally against it but
1: that sky was on fire yeah it was amazing even here i just kept getting up and going like oh my god it was like neon pink it kept changing
2: phases too yeah because like there's the this building out was... our window
1: that reflects like oh eh, yeah. Know. yeah yeah the sky was wild yeah that was very impressive sometimes that yeah, it's just fucked up the light show you get, you know. Um it's up. good one. All right, last part is uh my final thing is my don't kill yourself list, which you are familiar with at this point in life, which is, you know, a list of good, tangible, usually uh uh accessible reasons, inarguably, objectively in your perception, to stay alive. And it always mine always starts with coffee sandwiches and lavender soap. What would you add to the don't kill yourself list? So wait, reasons not to kill yourself, or no? Usually they're like things. They can be reasons, but like they are reasons. That's like, but they're objective, tactile. Usually something that you just go like, this is a good reason to be alive. This is a good thing in the universe that I wouldn't get to have anymore if I fucking left it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, for sure. It became like things to keep me here when I was really desperate. Things to. You know, in my darkest places, you know what I mean? There were like handholds of like, well, you don't get to have a fucking espresso and a crème brûlée ever right. again. Right.
2: I mean, I, that's kind of, I don't know if I had like little tangible things that I held on to when I had, was having hard times, but just like some, so I've been getting this, uh, breakfast sandwich from dinette oh yeah and along with it a cortado and every time i go and eat the fucking the breakfast sandwich and then take a sip of the cortado it's like i go on this nostalgic journey Mm. of flavor and feelings through the taste of that cortado that is like nothing else, yeah. And I guess that would be my that would be my don't kill yourself list. It's just like a fucking
1: simple ass little pleasure. Yeah, I accept that it's like so, yeah, wonderful. I agree. Yeah, coffee, coffee will definitely do it for you, dude. Um, that's it, dude. That was, that was this is going to be our app. Hey, at least for now. Maybe we'll do another one. We'll, part, we'll long part
2: two coming yeah. soon. I just, coming. I just soon. Yeah, I just locked you into a sequel.
1: Yeah, I'm into it. I mean, I just want to make it to a year of this thing. And halfway. More than halfway. That would halfway, be awesome. More than halfway. You should. This is gonna be 30 something episode 30 something.
2: Great podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm I it's objectively made my experience of my life better. Um in true, like pretty subtle, like just experienced ways, like mm-hmm. reflecting each week on
2: Mm-hmm. what
1: i am and how i'm mm-hmm. doing and how i'm feeling and what i'm doing to adjust that that thing you said about like focusing on what i do mm-hmm. and how that makes me feel instead of just like how i feel mm-hmm. this is thing mm-hmm. man it's it's making my life better yeah and i hope i hope for other people they feel that we are them that like we all are experiencing some shit That like the window dressing of the colors might be different, but that like the experience of being a person is pretty similar, full of like doubt and fear and a gradual shift over time, darkness and, and lightness and just a strange struggle that we all have to be people. That's shared, even if like every other aspect of the aesthetic of it is different.
2: Yeah, that is that is a very good you know? Very good way to discern those things. The aesthetic of it. You, yeah, you know, I'm sure people see Yeah. See each other as not having these things going on underneath them. But
1: but I mean, the struggles are just that's yeah. human. That's like the question Yep, of what the whole like what's the meaning of life? But like that that I don't think that question truly is about like an answer. Mm-hmm. It's about like the fact that we suffer with this strangeness of like the Ted talk I watched that I talked about, the one about consciousness, I thing we all agree about and hallucinating. Mm-hmm. He draws these conclusions at the end, which um are pretty interesting. And one of them that he says that he, that's his, a conclusion for him, like a, a hypothesis that arises from his research for him is that AI robots, whatever, will never have true consciousness because they could be more intelligent than us, but that intelligence and consciousness are not related. Mm -hmm. You can be very dumb and very unintelligent and still be conscious, Mm -hmm. and you can be very intelligent as a machine and not have consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then he he feels and believes from his research and observations and whatever that consciousness is inherently tied to life and that the way our brain interprets signals from organism of the body to keep it safe, basically, to be able to see things, smell things, touch things, taste things, and, and navigate this world and keep this organism alive. That's where consciousness arrives from is the ability to contemplate oneself and keep your organism alive. Mm-hmm. And so that only with life that can be lost and that can be like, you know, that is a mechanism that must be like sustained. That's why, where consciousness comes from. And that without that, life without that inherent risk, basically in every moment mm-hmm. of presence, um, there's no reason there's no the consciousness will never arise because there's, it's like, cause otherwise, cause then it's just physics. Mm-hmm. It's like rocks and gravity and celestial bodies. Um, and that there's something in that, which is like when our organism ceases and consciousness goes away, that there's like nothing to fear in that. Because, you know, it's what Mitchell, my friend Mitchell said on this podcast, which is like, he knows he's not afraid of death because he wasn't, uh, he's not afraid of where he was before he was born. Right. Yeah, that's a great, it's great. A great thought. And it's, it's a really great thought. And it's what we, we were talking about joking the other night about like this idea that sort of like, what if there was a video game that was like, a fully immersive VR experience that is just, was had psychotropics and everything that was like, you only play the game for like 45 minutes, it'd be like a game of League. Mm -hmm. but you experienced it as a whole life and that you were so in depth in this like hallucination game thing that Mm -hmm. while you're playing the game, you wouldn't know that you were playing a game. (laughs) You would feel very afraid of dying. Like part of the selling point of this like very advanced game would be like, (laughs) you will be immersed in it and experience a hundred years of your life and come out and be like, Oh, dinner's ready. We got to get the dinner, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And that if that existed, wouldn't you sign up for that? Be like, the weirdness of like a role playing experience or something. Oh yeah, yeah, that's because that as soon as you get out of it, you're like, you would have no, you'd have a sense of that, like, wow, that was cool. What time is it? Oh, we're gonna be late <laughs> yeah. for dinner.
2: But Which doesn't seem that crazy because right, you know, because res- relativity.
1: Yeah, because relativity. Yeah, and that I don't know that there's but anyway, that's just related to that idea that the life, the organism's fear of, you know, things that it's a need to keep itself safe and protected and alive is where consciousness comes from. I don't know. There's something like really interesting that mm-hmm. that truly we are defined by our struggle, our mm-hmm. question of why and what we are, why yeah. do we feel out of sync and what's the right way to be? And that like, that all seems a little bit rooted in fear, but that that's because like all of consciousness is somehow attached to the fear that is necessary to protect your organism and mm-hmm. keep it alive mm-hmm. on an instinctive level. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know where. Like, I don't know why I said all that. <laughs> but just it's that, you know, it's like okay, I guess. Yeah, like wherever we're at is okay, and that like, there's something in knowing that that struggle is inherent to our existence right that makes me feel less concerned with like there must be something fucked up with me for being fucked up
2: yeah we're we're, we're, we're all know. just we're all just uh brains yeah. sensing it all yes and it will stop sensing it at some point
1: yeah and then like while we're sensing it Try not to feel so. Maybe this is why we would drink ourselves to puking and think it was a good idea. Was like, now we're just we're on this ride. We're trying it out. Sometimes you do self-destructive stuff to be like trying "Hmm, it out. What's it like? But that doesn't have to be so bogged down with like, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. I'm doing something wrong. There's something wrong with me feeling wrong. There's something like fucked up about how off and strange I feel. Maybe that's appropriate. Anyway. Taking, for, it, for, taking to, it for a spin. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hey, honored hey. honor to be here.
1: Hey, it's a pleasure. I'll, um, I guess we're just going to keep chilling after this. Like, yes. Yeah, Cause we live together. So
2: yeah. More of this
1: more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you, oh, do you want people to follow you online or anything like that?
2: Nah. really? <laughs> nah. Cool. I don't have any, I don't ha- have any.
1: That's fine. I yeah. mean, public. I've asked other people. And I, I don't know. I, I get that. I appreciate I. This isn't really a super, I, this podcast has this weird quality of even people who are public facing, sometimes like don't promote it. Yeah. Like they don't want to share it. Yeah. And I don't blame them. I don't like, Yeah, you know, because it's really, not that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But that there is something really nice about the people who do know about this podcast and who do listen to it and who are here. It really is this little like yeah. side pocket of Yeah. Let's
2: just have a discussion. Reality. And yeah.
1: And it's personal. It's like strange.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm not good at self-promotion anyway, even if I did.
1: Well, who is? Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. That being said, check out patreon.com slash my good bad brain and give us your money. Hell yeah! <laughs> Self promotion, baby. Yeah, do it. All right, all right. Good night. Goodbye. Have a good. Okay. Happy
2: holidays.